Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest is the former mayor of Augusta, Georgia. Yes, the home <laughs> of Augusta National Golf Course. He's also an author, consultant, and expert on leadership. Today, he'll help us find ways that each of us can become a better leader. Dee Copenhaver will give us some practical tips on leadership and inspire us with real-life stories. That's coming up on Connections. Today's guest is Deke Copenhaver. He's a consultant, a former mayor of Augusta, Georgia, and the author of a book called The Changemaker, The Art of Building Better Leaders. So we're going to talk to you about a couple different things today, Deke. But first of all, I need to know, former mayor of Augusta, have you played the golf course? I actually have. You have? I've been very fortunate. And my father was actually a member out there. No way. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty incredible. And literally, it's... It's funny, we, my wife and I live on Bergman's Road, so we're literally about uh, three iron from the club. No way. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to play it, but I don't want to know what I would shoot if I ever got the chance. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, like I mentioned, you're the former mayor of Augusta, you're a consultant, you're an author. Um, yeah, just uh, how have you found yourself where you are today? What has led you to the p- place you are today? You know, it's, it's interesting. So in my adult life, I've been in banking, real estate and development, ran a nonprofit, mayor for nine years, actually hosted my own radio show for a year, consultant, speaker, and now author. I tell people I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. <clears throat> but it's, um, at, you know, it, it's been a wonderful, circuitous life for me, and I've always kept my mind open to possibilities. So it's just, um, it's been a great run and continues to be through the book. Well, it seems, uh, yeah, through your book, Changemaker, The Art of Building Better Leaders, like you're very passionate about building up people in their leadership capabilities. Why is that? It's, I, I just, part of it is my response to the political polarization that we're seeing now. And I, I provided an alternative when I ran for mayor. I never went negative. I treated people with dignity and respect, and it was successful. So if you can do that in Augusta, Georgia, I think it can be done any place. But uh, I believe it really changed for the better politically and business-wise. needs to really start at the local level. What do you mean when you say changemaker? What is the definition of that term? Somebody who is willing to take a leap of faith. You know, I was told when I first ran for mayor, somebody said, well, why do you want to get mixed up in all that? And I said, look, if, if nobody tries to change it, it's never going to change. And so change makers are people that want to make a difference. They're average people like you and me, but that are willing to take that leap of faith and, and really go out on a limb. I think that's an important term, average people, right? Because so often... Maybe we want to take that leap of faith, and then we, we talk ourselves down, though, right? Like, well, there's nothing special about me. I'm not capable of doing this. But but everybody is a leader in some way. If people are looking towards you, whether you're a parent, you know, elected office, um, we're all leaders in some way, shape, or form. And I'm just trying to help people, encourage people to take that leap of faith. But I will tell you, so I was actually born in Canada. I was born in Montreal and moved to Augusta when I was four years old. A painfully shy kid with a thick Canadian accent dropped <laughs> off in the middle of the deep south. And, you know, how did I end up becoming mayor? It's an unlikely story, but it, it was just the ability to, to take that risk and to, to get through my shyness. And, uh, and it, I think that 
I know what it was like to feel like an outsider, so I always wanted to make people feel included. So how do you get yourself motivated to to be a change maker? It, it just really takes it, it takes some introspection for sure, but it, it takes courage. And once people step out in faith, you know, fear is not an easy thing to overcome, but once you sort of face your fears, you realize that that we can all do things that we wouldn't think were possible. I'm, I actually am a triathlete. I did five half Ironmans over wow. after the age of 40. <laughs> but, it, but it takes being competitive, too, and really challenging yourself. And we can all get in our comfort zones at times, but it, it's, to me, getting beyond your comfort zone is something that's important with regards to changing yourself and changing the world. And one of the things you've probably noticed, like, it's one thing as a leader to work yourself up to the point of taking that leap of faith, but also as a leader, you have other people to bring along in that change process then. And a lot of people, they don't like change, do they? No, but but I will tell you, I always share with people that good leaders never see themselves above the people they serve. And really, to my mind, the only power that a good leader should concern themselves with is the power to inspire because nobody can no individual can do anything alone but if you can inspire people the people around you and lift up the people around you there's nothing you can't accomplish did you uh, see that in your political career were you able to rally communities together or is that a pretty difficult thing to do it, you no know, i i was able to do it and i think i've shared with people that i think most cities, communities, even nations, there's a bell curve. And most people are in the center of the bell curve. They're either middle left or middle right. But what we're seeing in politics is the extremes. And so I basically governed to the middle, to the silent majority, and it worked. I won three races with an average of 64% of the vote by not pandering to the extremes. And I, I think pandering to the extremes is really not leadership, and I've shared with people, I think we now sort of mistake bullying for leadership. If you have to mm -hmm. use fear and intimidation to get your desired outcome, that's not leadership, that's bullying. How has your faith kind of played a role in developing uh, your outlook on leadership? It has played a huge role, and you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, I don't begrudge anybody else their own faith, but I think the greatest public servant and servant leader that we've ever seen was Jesus. And I, I was telling somebody the other day, I think, that can you imagine if we had the 24-hour news cycle then as we do now? You know, here's this guy, he's hanging around sinners. He's, you know, you don't want to follow him, but but really, it's it's really my faith has played a major role. And, and I do believe that my faith teaches me to unite people, not to divide them. And so that's what I've always focused on in every leadership role I've ever been in, and that's really what I'm focusing on through the book. What was uh, the huge inspiration for you that finally pushed you where you're taking that leap of faith? I'm writing this book. Why would you want to do it and get all this <laughs> this out on paper? Well, and, and I will tell you, it's my business has gone well since leaving office. The radio show was a great experience, but I... I was in my comfort zone, and Forbes actually found me. I write a monthly column on leadership for the Georgia Municipal Association and have for about four years. But they discovered me, and sort of at the age of 52 now, I was 
fifty when they found me, but but it is to get outside your comfort zone. But I'm like I've I've always done that, and it's always worked for me. So to put yourself out there to a worldwide audience, and so I talked to a friend of mine, and he said, "Well, this book is not what I thought it would be." And I, I get that most people think it would be about politics by a former politician, but it's about leadership. But he said, it's just you walking around naked for nine chapters. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's what, and I talk a lot in the book about vulnerability, to open yourself up to a worldwide audience, warts and all, is not, you know, it, it takes some courage there, too. But I think that's why the book is connecting with people, because it's, it's open and it's honest. What was that writing process like? It, it was really, I've been a writer my entire life. And fortunately, having written the leadership column for three years at that point, we, there was a lot of content that I could plug in. So it was enjoyable to me. And I, I love connecting with people, whether it's through writing or through speaking. And so just to see the way that the book is connected with people is just a, a huge blessing. Now, we don't want to give the whole book away, but there's seven attributes of change makers that you've kind of worked out. Can you touch on those a little bit with us? I can. Um, creativity, courage, connecting, listening, which is key, transparency, composure, and character, which I think character is the most important among them. Because without character, I don't think you can effectively you know, have those other attributes, but but when I talk about creativity, so I grew up writing and painting and really having an arts-based education. But I tell people that that served me well for nine years in office and in everything that I do, because I think particularly in politics, it's either A or B. And an arts-based education and focusing on creativity, you tend to look at solving problems from all sides. Mm. Uh, yeah, people think creativity and maybe like, well, I'm not a creative type person. How can we kind of foster, nurture creativity in our own lives? What are some things you've done to do that? I, I, I will tell you, I love um, music. I love the arts. But I think that we've all, you know, music is something that connects people. That it's whether you're a musician or not, you know, it, it can help inspire you. And, it, and that's... When I talk about bringing people together, I'm like, when I go to a concert, nobody's talking politics. Everybody's just there to enjoy the music. So being around other, exposing yourself to other creative people really helps with the process, but also keeping an open mind. There's an old saying that a mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's open. Hmm. I think that that is a wonderful process, too, just not to close your mind and and just expose yourself to different cultures, to just, that, and once again, to music, to arts. That that helps get your creative juices flowing. One of the other important things you touched on, what was it? Uh, oh, listening. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that yeah. important in our leadership that we listen? Well, I, I talk in the book about learning, and I think this can be learned, learning to listen without prejudice. And it's it, so often these days, you know, people don't listen. They want to state their point or they want to shout somebody down. But yeah. I've shared with Suva, I was talking to somebody about it yesterday. How would anybody expect somebody to respect their opinion if they're totally unwilling to respect anybody else's opinion? I think a lot of people, they think they're good listeners, but reality is we're not naturally, right? It's something we really need to work on. I know for myself, if I'm talking with somebody 
uh, especially about something maybe important or tough to talk about, I'm thinking in my head what my response is going to be while they're talking, right? So I'm not actually listening then, am I? No, and it it takes work, but we can all be better listeners. And I'll tell you an important lesson that I learned from my wife one time. Our first year of marriage, she was having an issue with something, and I was like a guy typically does. I was trying to fix her problem. She said, I don't want you to fix the problem. I just want you to listen. (laughs) That was nodding her head. (laughs) The wisdom of my wife in our first year of marriage, but that, that... lesson and that statement from her has always stuck in the back of my mind. Since the book's been out and getting into people's hands, like what's reaction been so far and, and uh, that kind of thing? It, it has been tremendous. And what I've loved about it is so much of it has spread organically. So last fall, the University of Texas El Paso Student Engagement and Leadership Center found the book and put it into a program they have called Powerful Pages. I had nothing to do with that. So in the middle of the fall, I start seeing pictures on Instagram of these students at University of Texas, El Paso. They're throwing up selfies of them reading the book. So I reached out to them and was actually able to video conference in for the last meeting on November 20th, which was my birthday, and talk to some of the students. But I had a young lady from Vietnam say, I have tears in my eyes. You've given me hope in politics. Wow. And just that that moment and knowing how it was connecting. But it's I, I'll tell you another great story. So there's a lady named Carrie Grace, who is a regional development CEO in Australia. So she, I had connected with her on LinkedIn. So she's dealing with the bushfires, which, I mean, I've never seen a catastrophe of that proportion. But she threw up an article on LinkedIn about what it was like to deal with the bushfires. And so I just gave an encouraging word. She bought the book and read it and shared with me that she's using it as a tool to help her deal with the bushfires. Wow. And I, it, it, we go back to my faith, you know, I can't do that. I, no Forbes marketing campaign could do that. But just yeah. to know that it's made it to Australia and that in a situation like that, that somebody's using it as a tool is just it's it's humbling and amazing. Who's the book for? CEOs, mayors, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> it is for everybody. And it, it's I tell people that it really so much of it reflects my father, who is a very ethical CEO, and I tell people I could have called the book Common Sense, but to see the reaction to it, obviously common sense is not so common anymore, particularly <laughs> yeah. when it comes to politics. So you have the book out there now. What's up next for you, Deke? It's, I, I was telling somebody yesterday that it's, it's almost being an evangelist. So I'm speaking at, um, UTEP next month, but it's, it's really to take the show on the road and to share, you know, a message of hope with people. Cause I think particularly when you look at the political landscape, there are so many people that have adopted the, well, it is what it is, and this is never going to change. But and once again, whether it's in businesses, I, I look at Chick-fil-A. You know, what a wonderful business, and that leadership came from True Kathy from the top down. I'm not sure. Do you guys have Chick-fil-A's in Canada? No, but we have one in Grand Forks, North Dakota, two hours away. Ah. <laughs> well, but it's, it's a thriving business, yeah. and it was started by a gentleman with great faith, but you 
he gives you know upward mobility to all of his employees. There are so many people that started off you know working at a Chick Fil A that are now they own their own franchise. So it can wow. principled ethical leadership can be successful in this world in business and in politics. But it's interesting. I had a speaking engagement last summer. And somebody said, well, what's at the core of your book? And I said, well, it's basically that in leadership positions, even in politics, you can maintain your your character and your integrity and treat people with dignity and respect and be successful. And the guy looked at me and he said, well, I can't wait to read it because I don't think that's possible. <laughs> and if he lives here in Augusta. I'm like, it worked for me for nine years in office. But, uh, but here again, just to share that message of hope, uh, Deke, last question. Besides picking up the book, The Changemaker, The Art of Building Better Leaders, what is the first step we could take today in becoming a better leader? I, I would say the, the focusing on listening is good. And just make, I have told people that the good Lord gave us two eyes, two ears, and one mouth, yeah. which says to me that we should spend two-thirds of our time watching and listening, and a third of our time talking. So maybe that's a good rule of thumb for people to take away today. So good. Thanks so much, Deke. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much, Deke, for joining us today. We had a great time chatting with you. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.